And uh, so just remember them in prayer. You know, I had, this, I had this mental vision of Pastor Fred hanging on like a zip line or like a harness over this really deep gorge, kind of building a bridge, and probably him and Marvin working off of less sleep and probably a little bit of food. And, and I'm thinking, man, these guys are amazing. And then three days ago, I was in my bathroom, and I was trying to install this darn toilet paper roll holder and I couldn't get that little screw in to save my life. And I was trying, and I was trying, and I was getting frustrated, and I was sweating. And my wife just said, baby, walk away. <laughs> just walk away. And I'm thinking, this guy's over just giving his life, and I'm like struggling with, you know. So hey, let's remember Pastor Fred and Pastor Marvin in prayer. You know, they're doing great things over there, but they do great things here as well, and we want to get them home safely. So remember them in prayer. And if you would, remember me, because I'm still trying to build my handyman skills. <laughs> so listen, as most of you know, uh, Pastor Fred, Pastor Jamie, and Pastor Juice have been speaking over the past several weeks from the message series titled Rescued. Rescued. And they've done so with tales of heroic action and stories of survival by using backdrops from films such as Castaway, Last of the Mohicans, Gran Torino, Lord of the Rings. But last week, though, Pastor Jamie I called him my ambassador of Quan. He mixed things up a little bit and used one of my favorite movies of all time, Jerry Maguire, to highlight those moments in our life that cause great tension, right? Moments that leave us asking, you know, what is this life all about? He then went on and explained that God uses those moments to draw us to himself. My rescue movie for tonight, my message, it's designed to bring that tension home by identifying, listen, specific and repeated behaviors that cause us to settle for less than God's best for our life. Now, it's doubtful that you ever had a dream of heroism from the actor that I'm going to show, certainly not the movie, but yet this film still delivers a rescued theme of, I once was lost, but now I'm found. This movie hero was rescued from himself and his reoccurring circumstances. He is, it is, no other than Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. Come on, baby. Look. No bullets. No bombs. No bow and arrow, no plane crash, no Mordor, and no mission statement, but rescued nonetheless. Let me see a show of hands. Who here has seen Groundhog Day? All right. All right. Look, for those of you who haven't, shame on you. It's a classic like Casablanca, Gone with the Wind, and everything Tom Cruise has made except Vanilla Sky and Eyes Wide Shut. But I'll give you a synopsis real quick. This is a 1993 movie, for those of you who haven't seen it. This is a 1993 movie starring Bill Murray as an arrogant and egocentric Pittsburgh TV weatherman who, while on assignment in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, covering the annual Groundhog Day event, he finds himself caught in a time loop, repeating Groundhog Day over and over and over again. 
After indulging in numerous hedonistic activities and manipulative strategies against his colleague, played by Andy McDowell, Murray begins to re-examine his life and his motives. Murray's time loop finally ends, spoiler alert, when he realizes that in order to fully live life, in order to truly understand love, that he's got to make some changes. He's got to make some changes to his life. He's got to make some changes to his character. Tonight's message, I hope, will help us be rescued from two areas. Two areas. One inside, one outside. First, I hope it helps us release the regret of past mistakes. Release the regret of past mistakes. You know the ones I'm talking about. The ones that haunt you. The ones like Groundhog Day that you live over and over and over in your mind. Secondly, I hope it helps rescue us from ourselves. And the situations we keep putting ourselves in over and over again. And that's why I decided to call tonight's message, Rescued from Regret. Rescued from Regret. Now, the premise behind the whole Rescued series is based on reaching out, helping others. Well, we know that a while ago back, Pastor Juice preached the message, and he said, sometimes your mission field is your home. Well, tonight, I want you to realize that sometimes your mission field is your heart. Your heart. How many of you know that it's, sometimes it's even easier for us to talk to others about Jesus than Jesus talking to us about ourselves? Right? How many of us, how many of us can look back at our life and think about a moment or moments where there's some regret? Where there's some regret? Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's parenting. Maybe it's finance. Maybe it's career. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's that time when you said something and you're like, mm, I wish I didn't say anything. Maybe it's that time when you didn't say anything and maybe I should have said something. Look, there are a lot of mistakes that we seem we can't shake and there's a lot of mistakes that we can't stop making. And though at times it feels like that I'm the only one suffering through these mistakes, where's everyone else? You're not alone. You're not alone. Because the Bible, the Bible has a lot of people in it that I know, even if it doesn't say it, I know that there's got to be people in there that said, man, I wish I didn't say that. I wish I didn't do that. If I could go back, I'd do things differently. But nobody, in my opinion, stands out to me more than our Bible hero for tonight, Peter. Peter. Now, Peter made a name for himself among the disciples for being hot-headed and impulsive. Right? He was probably mistaken as often as he was correct. So tonight, I just want to cover real quick three sequential mistakes that Peter made so we can look and say, you know what? I'm not alone. I'm not. And I'm going to pull them out of the book of Mark. First one, Mark 8, 32 and 33. I call this where Peter thought he knew better. Peter thought he knew better. You ever been there? You think you know better than God? Jesus just gets done telling his disciples that he's about to be rejected. 
by the chief priests, the elders, and teachers of the law. He has to suffer and die, and he's going to rise on the third day, right? Well, Peter, he's like, oh, wait. Puts his arm around Jesus and says, look, we got to talk. See, because this, no, I don't like that plan. I don't like, no, we've been with you, and I'm not thinking that's going to be the right thing to do. So what does Jesus do? He rebukes him. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. And then the second half of the verse, he says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but only the concerns of man. Get behind me. Rebuked by Jesus. Now, here's Peter. You know. Come on. If, if Jesus himself rebuked you, you'd be like, oh, man. Oh, that one hurt. I thought I knew. I thought, you know, I thought this was a team and a democracy. I mean, what's going on? You know? Six days later, in Mark 9, 5, 6, I call this when Peter misses the moment. This is when Jesus invites Peter with James and John, let's go to the top of Mount Tabor, T-A-B-O-R, which we know is a Mount of Transfiguration. He's up there, and I think this is one of the most amazing moments of Jesus' life. He transforms into all his glory, right? He's standing there, and, and Moses appears, and Elijah appears, and there's just this incredible divine where heaven touches earth, and you got the word and the law and the prophets. It's all this incredible moment going on. Instead of just like, wow, Jesus. Peter says, hey, hey, if it's cool with you, let's build three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. The father intervenes. This is my son. Listen to him. So there's Peter. Oh. So you know walking down the mountain, right? Jesus, James, and John were probably over here. And Peter's over there thinking, I can't keep my mouth shut. What is wrong with me? You think I would learn. Oh, I keep putting my foot in my mouth. Come on. Right? But it goes a little further. Probably what hurt Peter the most. Mark 14, 71 to 72, where he denies Jesus. With him privately, he promises his loyalty. And then publicly denies him before men. Here's my point. Peter changed. Peter changed. Peter went from denying Jesus to dying for Jesus. Peter in the book of Acts is much different than Peter in the Gospels. And that should give us hope. That should give us hope. Because when we find ourselves, when we find ourselves paralyzed by the past, caught in the mistakes that we keep repeating, we should hold on to the hope that my past doesn't have to define my future, that the mistake I made yesterday doesn't have to define the decisions I make today, that who I was then can be completely different than who I am in the future. Amen? So tonight, tonight, we're going to be challenged to change. Challenged to change. We're going to come up. I'm going to give you examples, a few areas, okay? Just a few areas. Has fear from a past failure kept you from stepping out and trying something new? Has it covered that area where God is wanting to challenge you in your faith? Have you made a vow to yourself that I'm never going to, 
open up again and be vulnerable with anybody because I did that. And somebody betrayed my confidence and hurt me. Do you and your spouse or you and your friends or you and your significant other continually argue about the same, same things over and over and over again? Do you claw your way out of debt only to find yourself right back in? Are you a serial dater going from one relationship to the next to the next? Do you keep returning to unhealthy relationships where you're hurt and disrespected? Do you turn off the computer in the middle of the night vowing never to go back to it again only to find yourself there 72 hours later? Have you made a mistake in the past that you can't seem to shake because the guilt keeps reminding you of what you once were? Do you have a mindset of negativity and pessimism where you have a hard time seeing the good in others? Are you weighed down with unforgiveness that you can't seem to breathe deep without feeling it hurt? Listen, folks, all of these things carry feelings of regret, and regret opposes joy. Regret opposes joy. So tonight I'm going to provide you with three questions to ask yourself. Three questions. Questions that have the potential, not the promise, the potential to rescue us from some of these and some of the ones that you thought of that aren't identified here. These attitudes, these actions. But before I do that, I want to expose, real quick, three lies that we tell ourselves that cause us to get stuck in these reoccurring situations. Now, I'm going to get these out. I want to expose them and then eliminate them because I know as I'm speaking, you're probably going to think some of them. So if I mention them now and you start thinking like, wait, he just said that. So let's talk about them. Let's get them out. Okay? So let's talk about the first one. Lie number one. Experience makes me wiser. In light of what I've gone through, I'm much wiser now. False. <laughs> Experience doesn't mean you're any more prepared next time. Evaluated experience does. Okay? Evaluated experience does. So I hope tonight we're going to learn how do we evaluate our experiences so we're wiser. Lie number two. Once I know better, I'll do better. Wrong. Just because you know the difference between right or wrong, doesn't mean you're automatically going to choose to do what's right next time. Knowing doesn't equal doing. Knowing what to do, developing self-discipline, focus, some accountability, then doing it helps you know what to do and then do it. And then lastly, and this is a big one, ran into this many times, my situation is unique. And no, it isn't. No, it isn't. You're unique. You are. But your situation isn't. When we tell ourselves this, we stop healing. We stop healing and we try to put God in a box. We tell ourselves that our situation is unique and it allows us to dodge the scriptures 
and discount wise counsel. I hear what you're saying, dude. I do. I get it. That's a good way. I get it. But you know what? My situation is different. I mean, I know it was hard for you. I get it. I know it was hard, but it's hard. it was much harder for me. Here's why it was so much harder for you. Ready? This is going to be huge. You're gonna, because it was you. Because it's you. Now, experience doesn't make us wiser. Evaluated experience does. Knowing doesn't equal doing. And your situation is not unique. You are. You are. But the same God who works in their life works in your life. The same God that did a miracle here will do a miracle back there. And he'll do a miracle here. Okay? So stop. Stop. Shake off these lies. And if we ever, if we ever hope to be set free from the regret of our past mistakes, or stop doing those things we keep doing and we hate about ourselves, we're going to need wisdom. Godly wisdom. And that leads us to our life verse for tonight. If any of you, that means anyone in here breathing, lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all, and this is my point, without finding fault. Without finding fault, we don't even ask God because of our faults. We don't even have the conversation because of our faults. James is telling us God gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So, we're going to do something a little different. Rather than just go through these, we're going to invite God into the conversation with us tonight. All right? Because I'm going to be honest. I can't change you. I can't. I know because there's a couple folks in here I've tried and still isn't working. They know who they are. <laughs> I want you to take a moment. I want you to take a moment and I want you to pray. I want you to pray with me. And I want you to think if there's something in your life, you, not your spouse, not your friend you came with, not the person who sits next to you at work, not your friend, not the dude who upset you at camp. No, you. I want you to have a conversation with God tonight, now. And I want you to think about, is there anything in your life that you haven't been able to shake? Do you keep coming back to things that you're like, oh, why, one more time, I, I promised I wasn't going to do this again, and here I am. Or are you... You keep being reminded of what you did 20 years ago. Tonight, let's end that. Let's end that and have a conversation and invite God in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your house. This is your house. And we're here to meet with you. And you are faithful, powerful, gentle, and wise. So we would ask that you would speak to the hearts personally and individually within this room. That now you would quicken a spirit, bring a thought to memory that say, hey, this is stopping us. This I want to talk about. This should no longer keep you from my calling. This here, let's talk about this tonight, you and I. Father, move in this room. 
Continue doing what you started with worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Something in your life. Could have been a long time. It could have been 20 years ago. Could have been 20 days ago. Honestly, it could have been 20 minutes ago on the way here in the car. What do you think about it? Get it in here. And here's the first question I want you to ask in your conversation with God. Come on. Can you afford? What was my part? What was my part? This is critical. It sounds elementary, but it's incredibly elusive because we rarely ever start here. We rarely ever start here. But see, this is where maybe for some of us, for the first time, we begin to take responsibility for our actions, for our words, for our behavior. Right here with what was my part. This is where spiritual growth and healing starts. Now, there may be someone in here, maybe, I don't know, I'm not saying there is, that thinks, you know what, Steve, I hear what you say. Really, I do, and it all sounds good, but I don't have to ask that question. I don't have to ask that question because it wasn't my fault. It wasn't me. It was them. She left. He started drinking again. Who can work for that guy? All the students said that teacher was unfair. Everybody else was doing it. They judged me. She mistreated me. He offended me. I was lonely. How did I know the economy was going to tank? The reason we don't pause long enough to ask ourselves this question, because there's a better story to tell. There's a better story to tell. I'd rather talk about them. I'd rather talk about how unfair they were. I want to talk about me. I don't want to tell you maybe I made some mistakes. I want to talk about them. Now, to be fair, there are situations in our life where we are innocent bystanders, victims of other people's brokenness and selfishness. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those times that have that aroma of familiarity. You know those times when your friend says, bro, didn't we just talk about this? Girlfriend, him again? Or, oh man, not really, I haven't talked, had this conversation before. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Because folks, at the end of the day, Really. You can't blame your way into a better future. And I've learned, blame stops change. Blame stops change. And I find it interesting that the Bible has 1,189 chapters. 929 in the old and 260 in the new. And blame shows up in the third. The third chapter. We see blame. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3 real quick. In Genesis 3, this is shortly after Adam and Eve disobeyed God, right? Ate from the forbidden tree. 
God addresses them and addresses Adam first. And in 311, the verse, not the band, God asks Adam, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to? What's Adam say? The woman you put here, she gave me some fruit and I ate. Somehow I just see God going, okay. <laughs> Eve, what is this you've done? Eve says, serpent deceived me. Both blamed. And this is what's interesting. Both of their responses had elements of truth. Just enough truth to deflect responsibility. We respond with just enough truth to deflect responsibility. We've been following in their footsteps ever since. If you want your life to be different, if you want to be released from the regret of your past mistakes, if you want to stop having those same conversations over and over again, you have to start the conversation with God. With God first. Ask him tonight, Lord, Jesus, what was my part? Mine. And once you acknowledge that maybe, just maybe, you own a little bit of it, then you got to ask yourself question number two. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? What was I thinking when they told me it's too good to be true? What was I thinking when I was willing to ignore all of the wise counsel that my friends have given me? What was I thinking when I did something that is contrary to everything I believe? What was I thinking when I sent that email? What was I thinking when I took that selfie and posted it and caused my parents to sh shriek aloud? What was I thinking when I posted on Twitter? What was I thinking when I made that call? What was I thinking? What was going in my head when I did that? Folks, when we look, when we look back, it doesn't even make sense to us. But we don't pause long enough. We don't pause long enough to, to give ourselves an answer. This becomes more, <laughs> more of a statement than a question. You know? I mean, it's like, what was I thinking? We rub our head, kick the ground, and we go right back and we do it again. We don't even give ourselves time just to pause and say, really, what, what was I thinking? Stopping to pause for an answer is a great way to ensure you don't do it in the future. And it gives time for God to minister to you in that moment. And that's why Paul in Romans 12 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Folks, you're not transformed merely by engaging your will. You have to renew your mind. Fourteen years ago early in my transformation. When I would get thoughts in my head that were indicative of my old life, I'm trying to live for Jesus, 
I'm going to church and men's group, but things were still coming in my head that didn't seem to line up with what I was reading and what people were saying. It was still there. So this is what I prayed. Lord, show me this thought in light of your truth. Show me this thought in light of your truth. And he would. He'd say, that's selfishness. That's brokenness. That's insecurity. Right? That's fear. Right? That's ego. He began to show me these things. And guess what? I didn't even know. I didn't even know this was in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretense. I looked up pretense, and it said false claim that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I was doing it and not even knowing I was doing it based on Scripture. And here's something I learned pretty quickly. It was a lot easier for me to change my behavior than change my thinking. It took longer. But I held on to that. And I kept asking God, why am I still having this thought? I don't want to do those things. You told me that's not who I am. I don't want it. And I kept at it, and I kept at it, and I kept at it, and I kept believing what this was saying about me. I kept holding on to it, even though in my mind everything inside was telling me, no, you're still that guy. You missed that life. No, I don't, because this tells me this. And my thinking began to change. Things I thought about began to change. Before I move on to the last question, I just want to put up a word of caution. Be careful how quickly you run to people for your answers. Be careful how quickly you run to people for your answers. Because remember what I said earlier. This is a conversation between you and God first. First, I'm all for counsel, believe me. I'm all for fellowship, yes. But when we run to people for our answers before we've went to God, they can even, you know, they can muddy the waters. They can muddy the waters. And what can happen is we can have a tendency to do what we talked about in question one. That if what they tell us doesn't help us or work, guess whose fault it is? It's their fault. It's their fault. And once again, we're absolved, absolved of responsibility. When God tells you, this is what I want you to do. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> you try to, I get, you ever know you just can't, you can't dodge God. You're like, whoa, still there. Darn it. Thought I got her in there. Man, you're everywhere, dude. What's going on? 
you know? <laughs> Try to get away from him. He's like on you like Shaq, you know? <laughs> I'm like, he's all over me, man. Come on, give me, can I get a fast break or something? <laughs> Lastly, final question. Last thing. Last question I want you, when you're having your conversation with God, and this is the most important, have I let it go? Have I let it go? Taking responsibility and renewing your mind are incredibly challenging and difficult tasks that require time, honesty, right? Self-reflection, perseverance. But your efforts will fall short if you don't ask God, have I let it go? Otherwise known as forgiving yourself and forgiving others. Folks, when we, when we hold on to regret, we tether ourselves to our past mistakes. We tether ourselves to the past mistakes, our mistakes and others' mistakes. And then, as a result of that, we begin to see ourselves through a lens of failure, self-defeat, and condemnation. That's what we do to us. Others, when we're tethered to the regret, Others, we place them on the witness stand in the court of our mind and we hammer them with judgment and accusations. Who hasn't been the lawyer in that courtroom, right? Setting others on the stand and we're working, you know, send them to the chamber, right? That's what regret does. And I'd have to say, I have to believe that it even has a tendency to taint our faith. Because how can we hold on to Romans 8.28 that says, God works together all things for good for those who love him and are called. How can you tell me this is good when my heart is surrounded with regret and unforgiveness? Think about it. You know, I've learned. I've learned, and maybe you have too, that nobody can make you forgive. It's too personal. It's too personal. So I'm not going to stand here and tell you, you need to forgive. I'm not going to tell you, 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 you better forgive because it tells you to forgive right here. It's too intimate. But what I am going to ask you, are you willing? Are you willing? We have to start somewhere. We have to start somewhere. When our marriage crumbled, gone, nothing left. My wife, in her devotion, said, God, I can't. I can't forgive. It's just too much. It's just too much. 
And he said, as gently as he can, are you willing? Are you willing? And she said, I'm willing. I'm willing. And that decision initiated a journey between her and him that changed her life. And, and you can ask her, and she'll tell you that she had to answer that question more than once. And so will you. So will you. Sometimes, hundreds of times a day. Are you willing? Yes, Lord, I am. Then it comes to your mind, you're like, hey, still willing? Okay. Still willing? Yeah. Okay. When our willingness meets his sovereignty, change happens. Change happens. I know you've been hurt. I know you have. And I know you've been done wrong. I know. And I know you're not happy with a lot of the decisions you've made. I know. And I know it hurts sometimes when you think of them. I know it hurts sometimes when you reflect back on your decisions. I know it hurts. But Jesus is here tonight and he wants to help. He wants to help. Have the worship team come back up, please. In Ephesians, chapter 4. Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Look, obviously Paul wasn't being literal in the first part of this verse. Uh, Yeah. There are some things that we need to resolve before we go to bed, right? I mean, come on. But there are some things that take time. It takes time. You know, the second half of this verse says, do not give the devil a foothold. That word foothold means staging area. In our unforgiveness, we allow the enemy set up camp in our life, in our heart, in our mind, and we begin to see people through it, and he distorts it. you got to make a decision tonight that you're going to learn from it, that you're not going to be led by it, that it's not going to be your legacy. It's not going to be your legacy. If you're tired 
of making the same mistakes. If you're tired of carrying that regret day after day, if you're ready to do things differently, then tonight, know, now, let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does, minister to you personally. When we go into worship, just you and Him, ask Him, Jesus, what was my part? Lord, what was I thinking when I did that? Father, have I forgiven? Have I forgiven myself? And if you haven't, then start tonight. Start right now. Let's worship and have that conversation with him. The glory
Everybody love the presence of the Lord. I love your presence. I really love you, Jesus. 